So I'd like to dedicate this talk to Vajrasattva. Vajrasattva the Buddha, to you I go for refuge until I have become what you now are. Vajrasattva the Dharma, I go for refuge to you, the path to great purity. Vajrasattva the Sangha, I go for refuge to you, friend deep in the heart of my friends. So this is an Audemitra event and um, I'm going to be covering some basic things about confession and some maybe not so, not so basic things. Uh, and I imagine that most of what I'm going to say is familiar to most of you, and you're quite likely to be practising what I'm saying. But I don't want to make any apologies for that, uh, because... Um, We can always go deeper in our practice of confession, in our practice of uh, ethics, of the precepts. Uh, So I'm just going to say a little bit more about where confession comes in the puja. Uh, A bit about the what, how, with whom and when. Something about the levels of confession and aspects of confession. And then about witnessing, receiving, acknowledging, forgiving, confidentiality. I'm going to say a little bit about regret and guilt and shame and free and apatrapia. And something about the spiritual significance of confession. And uh, something about Vajrasattva and his connection with uh, confession and purity. And I, I want... Actually, I'm going to start with, and I've said this before, um, and I'm so inspired by it that I tend to refer to it at every opportunity. So if if I say to you, Parami's dream, some of you will know what I'm talking about, and some of you won't. Uh, So Parami is an order member. She's a of the College of Public Preceptors. Uh, And I think many, many years ago, she had a dream. And she was doing a puja, and it was on a mixed-order convention, so there were lots of people in the shrine room. And at the confession section, um, somebody got up and stood in front of somebody else and confessed things that they needed to say to them. And they sat down, and somebody else got up, and somebody else, and somebody else. And this went on for a long time, until everybody had said whatever they needed to say to anybody in the room. And uh, this went on for hours, apparently, and then everybody sat down, and subsequently the bodhicitta arose. And I feel really moved by that. And because this weekend is uh, the Gandavyuha Puja uh, to the Bodhicitta, uh, I actually forgot to mention the Bodhicitta early on this morning. You know, it's the will to enlightenment, but it's not an individual thing. I suppose, in a way, it's what arises when we're all wholeheartedly practising. And I've been saying a bit about what happened this morning with the offerings. 
Um, and I don't know what your experience was, but it definitely felt as though there was something happening in the room. And it was almost as though that collective um, wholeheartedness, uh, that con- collective being in touch with what's most important to, to us, allowed something to happen in the room. So, you know, well, I imagine you all know that Bodhicitta isn't my Bodhicitta or your Bodhicitta. But anyway, I uh, I was so inspired by hearing about Paramus Dream. I, I just take every opportunity to talk about it, and and um, you know it is what confession is about. You know, we're trying to purify ourselves uh, and create the spiritual community and not hold back. So you know, the context for confession is our aspiration. So, you know, we know that the confession section comes uh, after going for refuge and before rejoicing in merit. And it's that subtle transition from a felt devotion to active commitment. And it's only when we've uh, thus committed ourselves that we can see clearly and rationally all the obstacles that stand in our way. So in confession, we're openly acknowledging our unskillful states of mind and the habits and tendencies that block and obstruct our progress. So we bring it all out into the open, resolving not to act out of ignorance or foolishness again. And we try to let go of any feelings of guilt and anxiety that might inhibit our efforts. And then, thus unburdened, we're free to feel more deeply in touch with our own potential, and that helps us be in touch with the potential of others, so we can then rejoice in their merits. And in a way, uh, and confession is traditionally um, related to the monks and the rainy season, um, which I imagine you're familiar with. And you know it's all part of the human condition, really. Um, anyway, so what do we con- what do we confess? We confess our breaches of the precepts, and I think it's really helpful to be very clear and specify which precept that we're um, breaching. So this is the specific actions of body, speech and mind that undermine our developing connection with our ideal. And if we can, I think it's good to look at the state of mind that led to the the action that is being confessed. So how do we confess? Wholeheartedly. And if we confess wholeheartedly, there's no need to repeat a confession. You know, we might want to tell a friend that we've done, but once we've confessed, we don't then need to confess with subsequent people. Uh, If we feel that we do need to confess again, maybe the original confession wasn't so wholehearted, so there might be more that needs to... Uh, like get out of the way for it to feel a really fully-fledged confession where we feel uh, subsequently free of what we've done. So we need to confess and let go. 
So with whom do we confess? So if it's been a breach against a person, ideally we would do it to, to them if we feel able to do that. Sometimes we don't feel able to do it with that person. And I started thinking about a good friend. Uh, but in a way, it needs to be a spiritual friend. Because if it's just somebody who, a good friend who is not living the kind of context, their life in the context that we are, quite often they won't know what you're talking about or they won't understand the significance of what it means to you. Um, you know, and depending on their ethics, they might think, oh, actually, that was all right. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But actually, you are quite sensitive to your action and you need it to be witnessed. So it needs to be someone we can trust. If we've asked for ordination and we're in a going for refuge group, we can confess in uh, that arena or our chapters or even uh, just before your own shrine, uh, before the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. You know, in a way, whatever um, medium you choose, it needs to be heartfelt that is going to allow you to, to move on, to confess and let go. And when do we confess? Well, ideally, as soon as possible. But we need to be appropriate with that. Uh, you know, if there isn't enough time, uh, you're about to rush out of the door or who you want to confess to is about to rush out. You know, it's not going to be appropriate. It's not giving uh, what's very tender to you and sensitive the room that it needs to be both expressed and heard. If we don't do it as soon as possible, we can end up feeling tormented. Uh, and it's as though it gets into a... Um, uh, I want to... Yeah, downward spiral. Um, so we need to be free of it as soon as possible. I think also we need to be aware of our tendencies. So if we're, if we're frequently making the same kind of confession, we may need our friend or friends to help us change our behaviour, to dig deeper to find out what's causing us to do that particular action, so that the discussion and the unpicking uh, happens outside of confession. And sometimes we might need professional help to unravel uh, a particular tendency. So I think we need to, you know, think of uh, Sheila, of ethics, really as a practice as we do our meditation. And if we're feeling remorse, it's as though it warns us that we need to acknowledge a fault in order to purify ourselves of it. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to talk about the aspects of confession. So seeing a fault as such, actually confessing it, making amends and making a resolution. So we're not just seeing a fault, we're actually feeling it. We're feeling remorseful. And it, if we feel it, if we feel the remorse... It's as though it ups our ethical sensitivity. Um, 
And then we begin to feel remorse more subtly in relation to, um, I was going to say, more refined, unskillful tendencies. I don't mean refined in a... Um, Well, not our gross tendencies. We, we just dig deeper, and as we become more sensitive, then other things come to come, come up. And um, it's quite a while ago now, but I had a daily seven-month confession practice with a friend, and it really did increase my awareness of uh, increasingly subtle... Uh, breaches of the precepts in my mind and my behaviour. So the precepts don't generate our moral moral sense. They only educate it. So we've already got a, a moral sense. Uh, it's as though, you know, uh, remorse is part of feeling, of being human. And um, I've forgotten where I read it, about consciousness having an intrinsic moral dimension which isn't um, dependent on upbringing or education. It's as though there's something in us that knows whether um, something is moral or not. So then we need to actually confess it. Um, and I'm going to read a little bit from a Vajrasattva puja. That, and I don't use this word lightly, has never failed to move me. And it's by Sabuti. And this is just one uh, paragraph from the confession section then. Numberless times I have hurt others, both those who are dear to me and those of whom I have never heard. Times without number... Beings have suffered because of my deeds. Sometimes I have acted, driven by malice, wishing to harm. Sometimes I have caused pain in careless ignorance, or hardened to the hurt of others. Many of my evil deeds I do not know of, or have forgotten in my foolish self-absorption. All these dark deeds, barbed words and cold thoughts have been done by me. They are done and never can be recalled. Each one has sent shockwaves of evil into the world, sounding and rebounding forever. Oh, that I, who am your daughter, should act like this, adding to the overburdened world one more stock of woe, heaping on myself the echoes of my own evil. Hear me, O Vadrasattva, I am overwhelmed with remorse when I glimpse but a portion of what I have done. So in feeling our remorse, we then need to confess it. Um, so I, I've already said a little bit about that, of the how, what, etc. And making amends. So any genuine confession 
must entail a desire to put it right as far as possible, to put right as far as possible whatever wrong or suffering has been caused by our unskillful actions. So we may need to apologise to the person concerned rather than or as well as confess to a third party. If we've taken money or goods, we need to repay it or return them. And it may need time and energy to to do that, so we might need to uh, work extra to repay money. And I think making amends helps us take on board and move our desire to really want to get rid of the tendency that has caused it. So making a resolution... So we make a resolution not to repeat the fault. However, many of our breaches comprise habitual weaknesses that are ingrained tendencies which are very hard to change. So we need to form a strategy, if we can. We need to know what led to the behaviour, the causes and conditions, and break it down into component parts so that we avoid the conditions which led to such acts. So, I mean, on a very simple level, um, you know, I've not been sleeping very well for quite a while, and uh, that can make me irritable and grumpy, but I don't go to bed as early as I need to, to try and get my sleep, and I'm not doing myself, or the people the people that I'm grumpy with, any favours. But it's not that I'm not doing them any favours. You know, I'm actually, you know, in my any harsh words, I I am being unskillful, but I'm not taking on board the conditions to um, seriously, sufficiently, consistently address that. You know, know, that is quite a mundane example, but it still has... um, Implications. So I was thinking a bit about uh, apologies and apologising for uh, our behaviour, acknowledging our behaviour, confiding and confession. And sometimes we say sorry, but we still feel justified in what we've done, or we can't quite let it go. You know, we're still ruminating or obsessing about it. So we don't fully uh, feel the regret to make a confession. And I think we need to be clear um, where we are. So if we can't let it go... That's all right for now. We can say sorry, and then when we we really want to let it go, we can make a confession. But we need to be able to identify that fine line where we're not confessing something if we are aware that we haven't really got the desire to let it go. And confiding, I think, has an aspect of not necessarily to do with unskillful action, Uh, but things which we want to reveal or need to reveal to others to enter into a fuller and deeper communication with them. Uh, And by revealing those things, we make ourselves more fully known to them. They'll feel that they know us better, and we can be uh, more fully aware of us and 
them of us and us of them as someone sincerely practicing and going for refuge to the three jewels. So if we can, we need to open ourselves to receive each other's counsel. And it's still our decision whether we act on that or not. But, you know, we're trying to uh, create the spiritual community. We're trying to build the Buddha land. Uh, We're trying to practice without limits. So the more we can open to each other, we're going to gradually chip away at that um, self-protection almost in certain instances. Uh, So hearing, witnessing, receiving confessions. Uh, It's very, it's a serious thing, uh, confessing. We feel remorse, we feel really regretful for our action, and we need to be witnessed, and we give our confession in confidence, and that the person treats that in confidence. And this hasn't particularly been in relation to a confession, but I I can hold quite a lot of what people tell me. But sometimes I thought, oh, I'm I'm not sure about this. And if I've had a sense of that, I'll say to the person, "Uh, you know, I might find that I need to talk to somebody about this, but if I do, I'll come back to you first. And, you know, I think it's really important that what's... Uh, said to you in confidence and certainly as a confession remains like that. I I think we've got um, potentially, although I've never actually come across it here or at any uh, Buddhist centre to be honest, but you know we might have a legal requirement to um, pass on some information but I wouldn't well, I wouldn't do that lightly, and I don't know if I would do it without talking to the person concerned. And it was interesting because I wasn't here last night, and uh, just over lunch, uh, Sarika was saying something that Prasadu was saying, one where an example of where he kept confidentiality, and uh, there was an unfortunate effect, and then where he uh, informed somebody to help somebody that also had an unfortunate effect. So, you know, it's so, you know, on the whole, I think as certainly as spiritual practitioners, maybe in the context that we w- will be confessing in, you know, I think we need to take confidentiality really seriously. So hearing, I think, is not only about uh, ears, but about sympathetically being understood and our words accepted. <clears throat> And really, the only people who can really hear our confession, I think, are our spiritual friends. I think also we shouldn't collude with people. And by that, I mean, if we've got any tendency to say things like, oh, they're there, it's all right. Uh, You know, people are confessing and we can understand, we can accept it. And people need to feel the consequences of their actions. And by any their their tendencies, I think we're um, 
bypassing that a little bit, which isn't at all that we're not sympathetic, empathetic, and well, what I was saying that we understand and have accepted their uh, their words, and also not tapping into uh, any psychology. Or, for example, if people are constantly needing reassurance that you've forgiven them. You know, there's quite an art confession. You know, I've said a a couple of times about confessing and letting go. And uh, sometimes uh, people will accept confession in a, a bit more of a formula way of, I hear and accept your confession, may you be purified. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do it in that formulaic way uh, but if somebody's constantly needing reassurance in a way that um, maybe they haven't sufficiently confessed or sufficiently heard your acceptance of, of their confession and similarly well I don't know if it is similarly or not if you you are hearing the confession be really clear that you're truly accepting it before you say you are, so that you're not brushing it off too quickly with a, that's fine. Um, so I'm going to say in a moment, well, actually, I'll do it now, uh, reasons why we might not feel able to accept a confession. Sorry, I'm going on a bit. I'm probably going to... Are you, are you with me? I'll just have a drink and you can have a breather. <laughs> so some reasons for not being able to accept a confession uh, is that maybe it's not clear that it's a transgression of a precept, which I think is why it's always good to actually specify which precept it is. Maybe we're not feeling very receptive, that we've got our own issues with that person or indeed that precept. Maybe the timing isn't right. Um, Or, yeah, maybe the timing isn't right. And maybe we need more time to really take on board what somebody has said. Um, I remember a friend of mine uh, a long time ago confessing something that had started years previously that she thought she was going to make amends for and then she didn't and it went on. And there was a particular behaviour that went on for quite a long period. And I think when she did confess, it took the people... Well, it took us quite a while to to assimilate it because of how long it had been going on. So... You know, we we really need to be sensitive to ourselves, as as I say, not accepting something too quickly until we're ready for it. And, you know, major breaches might take quite a while before we can feel, yes, I really do hear and accept your confession. And sometimes we might not think it's genuinely heartfelt. So we need to acknowledge that as well, uh, rather than again going through any formula of accepting it when we're not ready to. So, in relation to actions, I, for myself, I differentiate between when I feel regret and when I feel guilt. 
and not everybody agrees with me on this. Um, but my regret is definitely related to the action that I've done, whether it's a body speech or mine. But with guilt, it seems to be related to people and my reputation. And it can have a, I'm going to be found out, or what will people think of me, whatever. And it's more removed from the action than the uh, straightforward regret I feel for my action. And um, actually, Sabuti, I don't know if it's the same as what Sabuti talks about in terms of neurotic or false remorse. Uh, and I don't know how to pronounce this. I think it's Kaukritya. And he talks about it being the near enemy of our natural moral sense. So behind uh, this kind of remorse, excuse me, lies a fear of punishment or of losing love, acceptance or status. So, uh, you know, the guilt is associated with the fear of withdrawal of affection. But our spiritual friends are not going to withdraw their affection and care, however badly we behave. So we've got nothing to fear in that respect. We need to be afraid only of letting them down. Now, I've just said that our spiritual friends are not going to withdraw their affection and care. That's us at our best. Uh, and they might for a while. Uh, some of it might be to do with the reasons that I've said about why we can't accept confession. But us individually and us collectively at our best will not withdraw our affection. Uh, we'll be concerned for behaviour and helping you, me, to change. So in some ways, uh, for me, um, it's not about what people have done because there's nothing we can do about that, nothing they can do about that, nothing I can do about that. It's what they then do with that action. So... Um, you may have come across these Sanskrit terms of hri and apatrapya, which means, they both mean shame. Uh, hri is uh, like self-respect or shame, and apatrapya is decorum or shame through respect of the wise. So, and shame is a very positive mental state in Buddhism. So hri is remorse arising from recognition that we've fallen short in relation to our own independent sense of right and wrong. And apitrapia arises when, in our imagination, we view our unskillful action through the eyes of someone we deeply respect. So that has to be someone that we admire and look up to because he or she is a good moral person. So the better we know them, the more acute and accurate our sense of their goodness will be, and the more powerful the feeling of apitrapia. So hri and apitrapia, although positive, are painful and might be difficult to confront and acknowledge. But if we deny them, they're driven inwards and uh, could well produce despondency and self-loathing. And that might end up in self-loathing, not self-loathing, loathing of other people. 
So we need to face up to them and give expression to them by, by confession. So we can see them as like our ethical antennae, the faculties that guard us against things which would cause that feeling. So I want to say something about the spiritual significance of confession. So post-confession, we need to take time and uh, try and be receptive to the grace waves of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Uh, The compassion of the Buddhas is utterly unwavering. And this is a... Well, it feels a little bit of a digression at the moment, but I I do think it's important, and that's the meditation that we're going to be doing later on. Uh, I'm going to read you the last bit of that confession bit of the Vadrasattva thing. So, Vadrasattva, O Vadrasattva, wonder of wonders, now I hear you say, your soft voice resounding, my sons, my daughters, you are forgiven, now and forever you are forgiven. And I see your sweet smile, this smile of compassion, shining on me. So if we've confessed... If we've confessed wholeheartedly, then we uh, can open up to uh, the compassion of the Buddhas... So although it's utterly unwavering, I think our unskillfulness estranges us from it. So it's not that they're approving of our confession or withholding their compassion compassion because of our unskillfulness. But in uh, purifying ourselves to a degree, we can uh, be more receptive to to that compassion. Um, I think confession puts us in touch with our faith and strengthens it. I think some of the effects of confession are lightness. We feel uplifted. We might feel energetic, relief, unburdened, lucid and happy. Freedom, which leads to confidence. Um, So there's a term, promodia, Uh, which is Sanskrit, which means delight. And that's an effect of confessing. And it's characterised... Well, all of those are characterised by a sense of unity, harmony and integration. I think confession builds trust. Uh, I think it builds a spiritual community. Uh, We're all wanting to help each other. And um, I was thinking how... Um, I want to say a little bit about trust. Um, 
so I, I've lost my sheet on that. But I, I think it would be... Okay, so I don't trust people to uh, necessarily behave skillfully. It feels as though that would be a bit naive because it's the human condition and we do act unskillfully. But what I do trust, absolutely, is that we're all practising, we're all trying to look at our actions, reflect on them, change them and transform ourselves. And to witness somebody confessing and seeing their actions, I think I find very inspiring. And it certainly builds trust between us. And I think it does, I, I, I do think it builds trust in the Sangha. Uh, people respond to our practice, uh, our remorse. It's like the highest in us responding to the highest in them. Even though when we're confessing, it's almost as though we might feel at our lowest, but there's an aspiration, there's something that has caused us to confess that actually is very beautiful because we're trying to live by our ideals. Um, it's us acting in line with our aspiration. It's a bit like surrendering ourselves to our development rather than my development. Well, I think the fact that we confess means that we accept responsibility. So we become more integrate we become more integrated, less divided. Uh, so you know, sometimes I'll, I'll think about shoot, use a phrase about shooting myself in the foot. Uh, so it's as though there's a traitor within. Um, so again, while this is a mundane example, but uh, my desire to... The person who goes to bed at night is not the person who gets up in the morning in terms of what time I'm get, going to get up and... Uh, how long my meditation is going to be in the morning. Um, and the more we confess, then we do become more integrated. And it plays an absolutely crucial role in the transformation of the individual. And we're gradually clearing away the darkness and evil so that we can experience the freedom and joy of a pure heart and mind. So some more fruits of confession. We have an untroubled mind. Uh, our meditation is more focused. Our mindfulness increases. Our behaviour changes. Our inner resistance, our pride, our fear are overcome. So we can develop trust in ourselves and others so that others see our and we see their aspiration, courage, thoroughness, which is beautiful and makes us want to emulate it. And the more we... Um, well, 
I was thinking about how we need to allow ourselves to feel afraid, anxious or whatever because there might be a self-view and identification, uh, a fear of humiliation, etc., if we do see... Um, if we do see some... do or see in others something different. So the more we don't associate with roles in terms of I'm this kind of person, the freer we become, the more fearless we become, and there's less and eventually nothing to defend. And, you know, I... I I don't think that can be underestimated. Each time we confess, we're, we're chipping away at a, a sense of, of ourselves. So finally, uh, a few things about Vajrasattva. Um, so Vajrasattva is connected with purity. Uh, and... I think we need to find our own positive connotations with purity. It's not a holier-than-thou, goody-two-shoes, a naive, smarmy purity. Um, several years ago, I came up with a couple of phrases that I really connected with. One was pure new wool, where something is completely pristine, unadulterated. And the other is pure dynamite. And just the energy of dynamite, where uh, there are no holds barred, we're free, we're un unrestricted, unobstructed. We've got all that energy uh, that comes from genuinely confessing and purifying ourselves available to us uh, in pursuit of the good. Because uh, blocked energy festers. Um, and, well... During that seven-month period that I've already mentioned, we, we went through three-week cycles, uh, uh, confessing breaches of the negative formulation of the precepts, uh, breaches of the positive formulations of the precepts, and then we had a week on rejoicing of our upholding of the precepts. And it was the my breaches of the positive precepts that if I didn't confess them would just hang around and I could it's almost as though I could feel my energy getting blocked so uh, you know we need to be able to free our energy to for it to become have the power of that of pure dynamite and Vajrasattva is also Connected with that, uh, there's a phrase about Vadra is what is, so everything is as, as it is, and about him like creating himself anew and afresh. And I think every time we confess, we, to a certain extent, are doing that with ourselves. Uh, so when we aspire to unite with Vajrasattva, we're trying to experience ourselves at full strength, completely concentrated, essential, potent vibrant and totally authentic and the more we can confess with our spiritual friends the more those qualities will be bringing into being so uh, I've covered quite a lot uh, where in the puja confession comes I've looked at questions of what how with whom when aspects and levels of confession witnessing receiving regret Regret, regret, guilt, free apotropia. I've said a little bit about the significance of confession 
and uh, about Vajrasattva and purity. So I, I just want to finish with um, a few lines. Of, By our practice of confession, may we all be purified. By the practice of confession, may we deepen our spiritual friendships. By our practice of confession, may we build the spiritual community. By our practice of confession, may we build the Buddha land.